you're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to another rousing episode of Talking Out Loud, the only podcast on the internet solely dedicated to Dayton Flyers basketball. I'm your host once again. I go by Sully, and I am joined by two of my confidants. Drew, of course, joins me again in the saddle for your second consecutive week. Drew, welcome back to the program. Are you ready to jump into some non-con schedule today? Absolutely. I'm ready. Excited to be back. Back to back weeks. We are starting to roll downhill towards the regular season. We are. We are rolling downhill towards the regular season. And I have a a search. It's like saved on my Google. You know, like when you search things in Chrome, sometimes if you search them enough, they'll just kind of be saved there for the next time you search. And I have a save search. It's how many days until November 9th. And as of this recording, it's 27 days by the time this episode gets to you, 26 days away till that first game against UIC. And then the third part of our podcast trio tonight, uh, him of newly acquired Browns podcast fame. He goes by KT and he joins us on the program now as well. KT, what's up today, man? Fame is, is the complete wrong word. But hey, what's up, y'all? Good to be here. Hey, I haven't seen you since Lala. I know. It's been a while. Me and KT live like right down the street from each other, and we're just horrible friends. We talk more we, on a podcast feed than we see each other in person. It's bad. Yeah, we tore up Lala, though. We did well. We did. We did. It feels like that was ages ago now. It um, really does. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing tonight, listeners. We're going to get into the non-conference schedule. We're going to talk about some things that are noteworthy heading into the season. Uh, Media Day is now behind us. And this coming weekend, talking about October 16th, UD is doing what I assume is their substitute for the old red and blue game. If you don't know what the red and blue game is, you're probably a newer fan. Dayton used to have, you guessed it, red teams and blue teams scrimmage each other at the arena. And it was typically the first time that fans could get a look at the team on that given season. Um, so I th- I guess they're making a fan fest. Drew, do you have any more details on that fan fest? I, I just I think it's the exact same thing. It's just like a red and blue scrimmage, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's like it's like the midnight madnesses that you've seen big programs have over the past, you know, 10 years. I think we are like literally a decade late on this sort of thing. Of course, we're so, dating. That's what we do. It, we're 10 years it's, later. It's, Don't it'll even get be, me started. You know, it'll be like some hype stuff and, you know, they'll probably do some dunk contests and three point shooting. Sure. Maybe maybe a little bit of up and down the court against each other in a pretty, you know, laid back open run. But if there's really even ex- one twisted ankle, we riot. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, they exactly. won't be putting these these guys in any situations where they're possibly going to hurt themselves. That would be tragic. Yeah. Um, one of the noteworthy things we brought up last week on the cast and uh, it came up again, I guess, if you're following along. So the team just had media day uh, this past week. So now they have all those pictures where they're all like kind of yelling into the camera, like, you know, they're holding a basketball or they do a team photo, all that good stuff. Right. Um, we had previously reported that Mally Smith uh, that young brother of Scoochie Smith, of course. Yeah, he was in a walking boot last week. Heard he was injured. It looked like he was fine. He took pictures of media day without the walking boot, which leads me to believe it is precautionary measure and not anything serious. So I just want to get that was out made, Yeah, that boot was made for walking. Are we calling him Mally? Is that his 
Is that what they call him? Not Malik? I mean, I call him Mally Smith. I mean, I'm sure we could call him Malachi, but that's that's just way too formal. I mean, for Christ's sake, we call a kid Moose. His name's Mustafa, you know? Well, yeah, but that's because he... All right. I'm in. I like the name. I just yeah. know that's like what the universal name for Scoochie's bro was, but yeah, I'm in I was, Mally. Yeah, I mean, there was a while there where we were kind of worried about, you know, having a Moose and a Moose Ahsoka on the team, but we don't see Moose Ahsoka on the court enough to really have that be an issue. So True. You know, it, it didn't. Okay, first trivia question. I'm going down the roster, and, and I'm telling you, listeners, this this hour-long podcast is going to be chock full of trivia. We're going to fill your goddamn ears with trivia this week. Um, okay, actually, I had to do a couple housekeeping things before I get into this trivia, and I promised myself as a diligent podcast host I would do this. If you are a regular listener to the show, please go on to whatever medium you listen to the show and like or subscribe to the podcast so that we know you're out there and you like us and you listen to us. If you want to rate us or put a review on any of those websites, you're welcome to do that as well. Last year, somebody called me trash and said the program was going downhill after the Fordham game. And huh. I am here to say that that comment was not wrong but, in the least. But do you think it was Blackburn? No, it wasn't an inside job. The show legitimately did go downhill after Fordham because why wouldn't it? After you lose to Fordham, the season's fucking over. The show should go downhill. I, at least I'm being honest. I can't be disingenuous hey, these, and be like, "We're gonna keep going. Everything's fine." Like it's, hey, these you know. folks are lucky. These folks are almost lucky. COVID happened because we said if we ever win a natty, knock on wood, the site and the podcast are over. We're Got to shut it down. Yeah, we yeah. have to shut it down. So go do that for us. You know, like, subscribe, all that good stuff, um, and. The show will be returning to ESPN Radio in Dayton next Thursday. Yeah, you guessed it. Next Thursday, that know it. October 21st. We're back on the airwaves. I cannot believe it. that He let me back on the airwaves. Justin hey, Kinner. Shout out Justin Kinner. Yeah. Shout out ESPN Radio. Shout out Lee's Chicken. They have all decided to let me back on the radio airwaves. And that also means that we'll be doing live shows again from Tim's. However, shout out Tim's. Uh, that is the latest update I have on the program. The live show will not be coming back until the Virginia Tech game, uh, which is December 12th, and that will be a Sunday morning. I'm going to have to compete with the NFL a little I bit, am. but that's okay. It's our biggest non-con game of the season. I got to do what I got to do, you know? So we'll be at Tim's for that game. But uh, rest assured, listeners, the show will return uh, to ESPN Radio next week, and I'm really excited about it, and I will watch my language. So this week, free pass, all language is fine. Next week, we got to clean it up. We got to clean shave this podcast and, and let it out into the world again. So this is the last chance, guys. All right, on to trivia. So looking down the roster today, and we are now, Dayton is the new GW. If you don't know what I'm talking about, GW used to have a host of international players in the 2000s when they were relevant. Um, these come from all over the place for fairly obvious reasons. It's DC. There's you know an affluent population from other countries in DC for fairly obvious reasons once again. But we're the new GW, guys. We have guys from all over the world on this team this year. So my first trivia question to both of you is how many countries are represented by the roster of the Dayton basketball team by country of origin that is listed? Okay, so I'll just give you this hint. We all know. Included? We all know um, no, you can't include the U.S. I'm saying other countries. Okay. Mustafa Amzil, okay, he does identify with Morocco, but I am not counting Morocco on this country list, okay? It's the countries that are listed on the roster. How many of them are there? Drew, I'll not, let you go first on this one. I'm wait, he not, he's from Finland, though, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's one. There you go. There's one. I'm going to... It's six. What six. are they? What are they? It, uh, Belgium. Okay. 
Finland, England. Um, oh, hmm. England. Shoot. <laughs> what? Where's um? Where's Sissoko from? Uh, He's from Mali. That's yes, number four. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not have gotten that. Um, setting Belgium. Who am I missing? Missing one guy. Missing one guy. And oh. Missing one guy. I. KT, can you help him out? Oh, Canada. Canada. My, there Canada. it is. There my it guess is. was it's my Canada. guess was five, but I couldn't name all those countries. Okay, so you got it. It's five. KT was right with the five. Drew got all of Kobe's them. from Canada, right? Kobe, you, the, yes. Kobe the Canadian. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So Tamani Kamara, he hails from Brussels, Belgium. That was the first one you got. Uh secondly, Mule Sissoko hails from Mali. Uh, Richard Amafule, I believe is how you say it. Uh, London, England. My dog has made an appearance on the background shaking. And uh, you have Amzil from Finland and Kobe Elvis from Brampton, Ontario, which I do believe is the exact same hometown or close to it uh, as Zaishan Pierre. I think they're close together. But there you go. There's five countries that are represented on this roster. So Red Scare will have plenty of opportunities uh, to bring flags into the student section this year, which I'm actually a little, a little excited about because Don't let us down. Well, recently in the news, we have one face that's going to come down out of the Red Scare crowd. Uh, if you if you recall or you're a listener uh, of the podcast, this you is probably no. I have a call yeah. to action. We can't have a Gruden face in the Red Scare. Can't have a Gruden face. Let's get Brandon Staley there. Let's, I, yes. I love that dude. It's call a perfect, to action. Yeah, it's a perfect little switcheroo. Um, so let's let's take down the Gruden head. We have to move forward with our lives. Um, and Brandon Staley is obviously the next choice to have his head in, in large form in the Red Scare students section. All right. So, uh, quick roster updates. We saw today that, uh, Moose Amzil has actually changed his number. It's not really all that relevant, but he's not going to be number 30 anymore. He's going to be number 22. Mm. Um, that was the only thing I wanted to cover before we got into. It looks so much better. It looks so much better. Do you think it fits him better? I saw the, the number 22 jersey he, uh, in the pictures today, and I tweeted at you that that raises his ceiling exponentially. I truly believe that. Okay. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Um, you can tweet at me sometimes. Not to, you know? Yeah, you could. You could. Um, that's, for, that's what Sundays are for. True. Yeah, you guys have Browns games to talk about. But that <laughs> ain't, that ain't tweet me. Tweet away. That ain't me. Got to tell you guys, I'm really ready to get into the non-conference schedule because the afternoon Duncan is just hitting right today. And that's that's what it's all about. You know, hey, no that. free ads, but I'm with you on that. That three o'clock uh, small iced coffee is phenomenal. Yeah. See, I'm a I'm a large iced black kind of guy. I just I do it well, raw. I do large. I do the large in the morning. So yeah. I live across the street now, which is d- deadly. And then you get that 3 p.m. pick me up, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, I told the guys to do some research into uh, the non-conference schedule. We will be profiling the 11 games that we do know. And then Drew's going to tell us what he knows about the Orlando tournament and the two opponents that are unknown at this juncture. Um, I honestly don't know a whole lot about the Orlando tournament. That's why I wanted Drew to do some research. Okay. Getting one thing out of the way early, we do have one exhibition game against Cedarville. UD has played them before in exhibitions and will do so again on November 1st. That is a Monday night at 7 p.m. And that is coming around in three weeks. However, set it at the top of the show here and repeat it again that the regular season 26 days away from the release when UD takes on UIC. So my first piece of trivia for today was going through the records of... All the teams or the head-to-head records of Dayton playing all of these different teams. First question. This one's for Drew. 
out of the 11 teams on the schedule, how many has UD never played? How many have we never played? I'm going to say two. That would be correct. UD has not played UMass Lowell or Lipscomb ever in their histories. All right, that and was the most fixed question of all time, but keep going. I mean, come on. It's you, just you like, told them honestly, that before. You told them I, that before. Yeah, uh, Southern, I thought Southern would be one of those teams. I did not know which teams would be it. I if I would not have known Lipscomb. I would have thought we played Lipscomb at least one time. Okay. So, it, well, it's fairly obvious why we have not played these teams. Um, they're new programs. So Lowell's only been around since 2013, and Lipscomb has only been Division One since 2002. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. I mean, that's probably the reason that we haven't played them yet, but here we go, you know, new horizons and playing new people and branching out and all that good stuff. Right. Okay. So UD has played all of these teams, all 11 teams, a total of 46 times. KT, my question, how many games have they won out of those 46? Uh, we are 38 wins. 31 wins and 15 losses. However, more than half of those losses come from one program. Drew, do you know which program that might be? See how fun this is? I can roll with trivia just the whole episode. It's great. Uh, is it Kansas? Or no, we don't. Kansas technically is an all No, we're going to play uh, Kansas yet. Um, I'll give you a hint. They used to be in the A-10. Ooh. Oh. You're young and you don't even remember. Yeah. Virginia Tech. Virginia yeah. Tech. So, yeah. What was that? One year? Were they in the A-10 for one season? <laughs> I believe they were in the A-10 for five seasons. Uh, stats department has gone to work, and they have let me know that I was correct in saying Virginia Tech was in the A-10 for five seasons. That would be 1995 to 2000. Yes, um, year I was born till I turned five, so it makes sense why I don't remember that. Yeah, and UD is bad against Virginia Tech. All time, six and eight. Um, not great. Not great. And it's the only um, the only team that we have played more than eight times, played them 14 times. However, UD does have a losing record to one of the other programs on the schedule. KT, who is it? SMU? No, it is actually. Oh, sure. It is SMU. Well, there's two. I missed them. But SMU is one of them. And Southern is the other one. So UD is. We've one lost in- to the Southern Jags before. <laughs> yes, we have. We have. When? You know, I got under the hood today. And that was probably the thing I was most surprised about is that UD actually has lost to Southern three times. Um, they <laughs> UD is two and three against Southern. OK, Jesus Christ. And they uh, they played uh, those five games between 1980 and 1997. Okay, and they have back to back losses in 1989 and 1990, where UD gave up over 100 points in both games. That was fascinating to me. Yikes! Yeah, that was fascinating. Um, all right, so let's start it off, guys. Like the first game, and I'm going to be completely honest with listeners out here. There's no way in the world that UD should be losing any of the first four games. They shouldn't be close. They shouldn't be challenged. <laughs> so you're going down the list of these these programs, okay? UD plays UIC first. Um, last year, they finished Ken Palm 288, and they have... Are you a, not, you're not counting Cedarville? Sorry. No, because it's an exhibition. Okay, yeah. okay. It's an exhibition, yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, like, when I started to look at these four games, all right, UIC finished Ken Palm last year at 288, Okay, Lowell finished Ken Palm last year at 230. Lipscomb was dreadful as well. They finished at 238. And Austin P, maybe the only team that was even half decent. Um, they finished at a Ken Palm, and I actually have to look it up because I forgot. They finished Ken Palm 215. 
but they were a wholly mediocre Ohio Valley program. They finished 10 and 10 in the conference. So it's a long way of saying these teams all super stink. Okay. UIC has got a brand new roster. They're not going to be any good or relevant in the horizon. UMass Lowell has never won more than 15 games in their history, dating back to, like I said, 2013 when they went Division One. They've never been over 500 in their eight seasons, and their highest Ken Palm finish was, you guessed it, just last season at 230. 230, okay? And then you go to Lipscomb, and if you remember, guys, it's like, oh, yeah, Lipscomb. Didn't they make the tournament not too long ago? Yeah, they did. Um, it's their 20th season in D1. They've been extremely mediocre in the A-Sun, except for that three-year run um, in 2018, um, sorry, 2017, 18, and 19. So the thing is, Lipscomb did go to the tournament in 2018, and then 2019, they were the last four out, and they uh, lost in the NIT final to Texas. And then last year, they were kind of back to their mediocre doing in the, in the A-Sun. So what I wanted to get across in this first segment is that these first four games are solely there so that the team can get gelled. Guys, did you learn anything from that rant right there? Wasn't Austin P? Didn't they make a little run in the tourney a few years ago? Um, Austin P actually is in there. So I, I went back and took a look at this. They're like fairly consistent in that they're going to make the tournament every like six to eight years. And they have done that historically for like 50 years. Like every six to eight, they reload. I feel like six, seven, five, six, seven years ago, I remember sitting like Joe's on weed and they were like, they're from, they're from Texas, right? Uh, no, they're from Clarksville, Tennessee. Who am I thinking of from Texas? Like, facts. Stephen anyway, F. Austin sorry. is who you're thinking. Hey, that's, yep, yep. Sorry, you're continue. Thinking. My bad. Yeah, th- there were Austins in there. Yeah, um, so I, I understand. Got but, it. Drew, I have to respect the consistency of mid major dumb of Austin P because I, I looked, I'm serious. Like, I looked back at this, right? And since 1970, all right, they have made the tournament a total of seven times. And there's <laughs> since, okay, they went back to back in the tournament, right, in 73 and then 74. And then they took a big break until 1987. But since 1987, they haven't gone 10 years without going to the tournament. You have to respect that kind of mid-major consistency because they're not always going to be relevant. But every few years, you know, they're going to they're going to get there. They're going to wiggle their way into the tournament. That's like I mean, Drew, isn't that like the goal of, of being a mid-major? Right. Right. Especially when you play in the OVC, you just want to make that tournament every so often. Uh, like you said, seven years. Uh, they are two and eight. They've won two games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it goes without saying zero final four, zero championships. Uh, they've yet, never been ranked yet. Yeah. Yet. yet, yet don't yet. count out the governors. Yeah. We're, we're not. We're not. Can't be looking ahead. Uh, they've only been ranked in the AP pool one time and for a total of three weeks. So, but yeah, you, you look at it pretty much. You can almost bet your house on it that they're going to make the tournament in here. They're on a what? Fifth year, five year drought. So give it, give it another year or two. They're going to start sniffing around it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. I, I love that kind of consistency. So um, we can put all these teams kind of behind us now. I will probably repeat some of those like quick facts that I listed off when we get closer to the game days. But rest assured, people, with the talent on this roster and what we're looking at to start the season, UD will be 4-0 going into the Thanksgiving tournament, uh, which leads me to Drew and our next segment, Drew, what'd you learn about the Thanksgiving tournament today? This field is low key loaded. It, it is, is what I learned. True. It's great. Yeah, it's great. So, so we'll start. We'll start with our matchup with Miami, who 
honestly is one of the weaker teams in the field, I think. Uh, a lot of these projections that I'm going to start taking uh, from are from our friends over at Three Man Weave. They've got a great website. If you like college basketball at all, go check that out because it's great stuff. So we're going to start with Miami. Uh, they have one transfer, Charlie Moore, who transferred from DePaul into their starting lineup, and Isaiah Wong, uh, a six foot three guard uh, who's a junior, is their returning leading scorer. Uh, three Man Weave has them projected to finish ninth in the ACC. And last season, they were a dreadful 10 and 17, 4 and 15 in conference play. Oof. However, they did win their last four games before bowing out in the ACC tournament. So they kind of built some momentum there on the back half of the year. Okay. Uh, but I, again, I think this is a game Dayton should win. And kind of honestly, if we're playing well, we should kind of win it pretty easily. Yeah, right. That, right. You win that game. Suck it, Michael Irvin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you win that game. You, re- you are rewarded with a game with Kansas. More than likely, they're going to be playing North Texas in the first round, who is probably the weakest team in the field. Uh, but Kansas, you know, back back at it again for another really, really loaded team. Number two ranked team by three-man weave, projected to win the Big 12, 21-9 last year. Uh, they gained Drake's one of uh, Drake's starters, uh, Joseph uh, Yasufu. Oh, yeah, that guard from Drake. I forgot that he went who there, is, yeah. So, and Drake, was, who was also in this tournament, is that's basically the only player that Drake lost from a team that won a tournament game last year. Yeah. If that gives you any ideas to how good Drake might be this season. So, like I said, it's imperative to win that first game to get that date with Kansas. And then that bottom four, you have Alabama, who is the number eighth projected team by three-man weave this year, projected to finish second in the SEC, 26-7 and seven last year, 16-2. and two. Great season. Made it to the Sweet 16 before bowing out to UCLA. Uh, they gained J.D. Davison, who is a, the number 15 recruit by ESPN. Uh, Javon Quinterly is back for another season, 12.9 points uh, per game. Uh, Jaden Shackelford, six foot three junior, 14 points per game. Uh, I'm, impressed. Then they I'm impressed with your level of research into the Orlando tournament. Thank I really you. am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm going to this thing, so I kind of wanted to do this deep dive on everything. And then for the last three, you know, you have Iona made the tournament last year, won the, the MAAC, not the MAC, the MAAC. There's Man. only one MAC. Man. Those, there's only one MAC. Uh, Belmont, who finished the OVC as the regular season champs, lost to Moorhead State, I believe is who it was in the conference tournament. So they missed out on the NCAA tournament, but a very good season for them. They return a lot of their production from last season as well. And Drake, like I mentioned, beat Wichita State in the first four, lost to USC in that in their first round game. And they second recur- round game. Or second round game, I guess, technically. Yeah. And then, like I said, they re- they return everybody besides uh, Yusufu, who is now at Kansas. So that is yeah. your brief overview of the self-promotionally titled ESPN Events Invitational in Orlando at ESPN Worldwide Wide World of Sports. <laughs> you know, um, so here's the thing. Like, this is pretty much taking care of the first portion of the non-con. By the end of the Thanksgiving weekend, Dayton will have played seven games. Okay. Ooh. And um, at this point in the season, Dayton needs to be five and two or better. Like, no questions asked. Um, if you go one and two in the Miami tournament, that's not good. Um, six and one is probably where we're shooting to be as a program because, like you said, um, the Miami game is a very winnable game that Dayton probably should win. And I don't, I don't see how Miami is going to go from as bad as they were in the ACC last year. You mentioned they were four and fifteen or four and fourteen. Um, I, 
yeah, four and fifteen. Why'd they play nineteen games? It, you know, that doesn't matter. Um, you, know, you you don't go from four and fifteen in the ACC to like turning it around that next year and and being a NCAA tournament team, right? So you're probably looking at a middle of the pack Miami team. And I have to imagine that if Dayton's going to try and put together a tournament resume, they have to win that game. So we talk about it a lot that that first game is really important because it unlocks the door to a tougher game. And this year is really no exception. So I think that's, you know, five and two is probably going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. It'll be acceptable. Six and one is where we want to be. And, and I, I don't think it's realistic to expect the Flyers to walk out of the, uh, the Orlando tournament unscathed. Um, but you know, if they're seven or no, then we're having a different conversation. Well, and then the other thing about that is, is that going one and two in that tournament, isn't created equal, you, you know, yeah. you lose the first game and you go one and two, things are a lot more dire as opposed to if you beat Miami and then you lose to Kansas and you run into say, uh, a Drake or Belmont. Yeah. You know, not that big of a they, deal. Not that big of a, you know, those are two teams that could very easily be, they have NCAA tournament aspirations as we do as well. So, sure. like I said, those one and twos, they aren't created equal. It's all about just winning that first game. Yeah, and that's I would exactly love to smoke Miami. I'd love to yeah. smoke Miami. Suck it, Ray Me too. Lewis. Hey, yeah. you know what's really fun about this roster, though, is obviously in many years past, we come in always nervous and scared because that's just who we are as Dayton folks. But this roster, we don't have – we can look at all the numbers and all the videos and highlights. We don't have a damn clue what this team could be. Yeah. They could they could blow our non-pink socks right off. <laughs> they could be but I mean it's a fun unknown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I and that's that's kind of why I've been excited to do these shows preseason. Um and you know for people listening out there like we don't necessarily like have to put out shows right now in the preseason. It's kind of like one of those times where we get together and we decide if there's things to talk about. But I can't help be a little excited about the prospect of this season because, yeah, the schedule super sucks before Orlando. It is what it is. But we do kind of get four games to like feel it out. Like, who are we going to be? How do we think we're going to attack? You know, how are we going to defend? I think we get to spend those four games all at home, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So it's a nice like little two week introduction to this team. Where, you know, normally I'm watching most of it and kind of paying attention, putting a write up out, moving on. But I feel like there's going to be, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, Drew, but I think there's going to be a little bit more speculation into what this team can be off the back of those first four games against teams that we're probably going to mop up on. Certainly. And you just want to see how they all play together. You know, we, yeah. have one, we have one senior on the team, and that's Christian Wilson. Yeah. We yeah. technically have 11 freshmen which yeah. is crazy. None but of these boys at, have ever played in front of a sold out arena. Exactly. How crazy is that? Think about that. Yep. And that, yeah, that's a great point. And Thank you, it's Drew. going to be interesting <laughs> to see how it all gels together. I think you can kind of, you, you can bet on Kamara being one of the stalwarts of this team. Yeah. Uh, Sissoko, uh, Elijah Weaver. I'm, he's the, Elijah Weaver is the guy that I want to see take that next step and be one of the better players in the conference. I'm going to be 100% honest. Wasn't too impressed with what I saw last season. I don't so think anybody was. He's Yeah, I don't think anybody was either. But again, like last year, I, I just kind of want to throw everything that I saw out the window last year because it was such a wonky year. And the the arena is a real thing, and having the crowd back will be a big deal. So it's just interesting to see who's going to carve out time in the rotation for themselves because it looks to me like a lot of competition – 
in the offseason and the preseason leading up to the start of the regular season. And I think that healthy competition is going to be very, very good for them starting off early. I have a dumb question. Was there a single player left last year that was connected to the former regime pre-Grant? Or was last year the first year that Grant had his full team? I think Mike Sell was one of the first. That would have been two years ago. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think Mike Sell was the – Mike Sell and – Trey were the last two. Connections so this is the second. Okay, so last year was the first year we Archie. officially say Grant has all his boys. Yes, and this is okay. the first season we can also say that there's nobody left from the 2020 team. Okay, yep. uh, uh, of, of yep. consequence. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because everybody else was yeah in the the post Archie era. So yeah, it you know it's kind of been like that I guess now for two seasons. Boys, um, we're stacked on paper, man. Well, yeah, we are. We have a lot of talent. No excuses. And, and, a lot of people on Twitter today even were going back and forth with me to say, you know, why are people a little bit higher on Dayton? Why are they talking them up? And I said, well, it, the reasons are pretty pretty simple is that we got a, a guy who is a, a power five starter, Kamara. I mean, when you average double-double in the SEC, you're a legitimate college b-ball player, right? In a lot the, of the, the national guys and other people that are not affiliated with Dayton, just basketball writers, people are high on him. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's exactly. And so when you add that into a guy like Amsel, who showed that he can be a starter and a guy like Weaver, who who who, he showed he can be a starter. I don't know if he's going to be great. But when you start with that core, you add in the transfers that Dayton has, mainly Kobe Elvis from DePaul and then Amafile. Who knows what we're going to get from him transfer from East Tennessee State. You add that into a mix with three guys that were pretty highly touted recruits, two of which were in the top 100. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of talent. So if anybody asks you, you know, fair listener, why are people high on Dayton? Why are they talking them up? It's because there's talent on paper. And top that's 30, top yeah. 30 recruiting class in the country. Yeah, you don't really get that too often. And that's enough for us to kind of look at this preseason roster and say, okay, the talent is there, even though we are not sure what fruit this will bear in the season. Um, so we once you know, we're taking a look at this schedule. All right, we already said five or two, six and one is pro- six and one is the goal when you come out of Orlando. If you're seven and zero, awesome. If you're five and two, you kind of had a disappointment somewhere along the lines. But six and one is where you need to be. And so that leads me to uh, a very interesting trivia question. And this was the most fun fact that I uncovered. And I think I just forgot about this coaching announcement because it happened, I think, a year and a half ago. After the Orlando tournament, the Flyers return home uh, to play Alabama State the following week. My question to you guys is, who is the coach of Alabama State? Anybody know? And you know who this person is. I guarantee both of you do. Is it a former Power 5 coach and or Atlantic 10 coach? I'll go even further and I'll give you a hint. He is a former NBA player. Avery Johnson? No. He was Alabama. I wonder what Avery Johnson's doing now. I think he's back on television. Um, Is he? Okay. Former NBA player. I don't don't know. Darius Miles? This blew my friggin' socks off. It's Mo Williams. <laughs> no oh, shit. You no, know, you're right. It's Mo wow. Williams. I did not know that. I did I not know that. Cleveland, Cleveland Cavalier legend Mo Williams. Cleveland Cavalier Indeed. champion Mo Williams. NBA champion Mo Williams, yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. You know, I it's forgot funny. about that. Because like, I remember he didn't retire, he just went and became a head coach. 
Like he still hasn't officially retired from the NBA. Wow. <laughs> that's what it was. No, that's why. That's why I remember. Okay, that makes sense. Other rings about. You're right, Sully. That did blow my doors off. Wow. It did. I. I mean, you know, when I this is you can tell by now, listener. This is probably the most preparation we've ever done for an episode. And I was paging through to see, okay, Alabama State, blah blah blah, and, and then I look and I see Mo Williams. And I'm like, oh, it has to be like a different guy. I just like happened to be named Mo Williams. And nope, it is the Mo Williams of Cleveland Cavaliers fame who will be coaching Alabama State this coming year. And since we're, again, doing non-con breakdown, Alabama State was one of the two worst teams in the country last year. On Ken Palm, there were only four teams listed below Alabama State, and two of them didn't play games at all. The only team worse than them who had played games is a team in their own conference in the SWAC, Mississippi Valley State. Alabama State is coming off a 4-14 and 14 year in the worst, the absolute worst conference in the country. And, you know, if you hear people complain about the schedule this year, this is the type of shit that, that you can complain about. Because we're talking about um, a schedule that, okay, we have decent games. Miami, Florida, eh, it's a so-so game. You got to win that to get to Kansas. Fine. Then you play SMU, who we'll get to here in a second, Virginia Tech, Old Miss. Those are going to be fringe teams that we don't really think are going to make the NCAA tournament. All right. So you kind of need other opportunities for good games. And there is no fucking reason why Dayton needs to be playing these games against Alabama State. There just isn't. I, I'm going to push back on this. I think Go there is because this is the first game post Orlando, Orlando tournament. Yep. And I think if you're going to bring one of these podunk ass teams into the arena and you have to do that, doing it right after you got done playing three games in four days. So like the, that tournament ends November 28th. We play them on that Wednesday. Yeah. So, and I, I'm with Drew. I'm usually I'm the sleepiness. That's when, that's why you put a team like Alabama state slotted where they are. I'm with you, Drew. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent on the schedule and screaming to the high heavens when we get these teams every single year in and year out. Yeah. But the reason why I'm okay this year is because it's literally a brand new team. Sure. Like we don't have a, I mean, you know what I mean? But isn't four games before Orlando enough to get all of that, that crap out of the way? I mean, because Drew said it, and this is the exact point that I'm getting to on the show here that, that I wanted to highlight is... Drew said, oh, you, if you have to schedule these games, we don't have to schedule these games, you know, I, I, you know, and I know that there are in the in the realm of scheduling, you have to fit the puzzle pieces where they work. Right. I just don't believe that UD needs this like tune up game after Orlando anymore. Take the week off and then play someone who fucking matters the week week later. Sure. I, I'm and with you and that, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the non-conscious yet, but I granted there's some injuries on a couple of these teams. I get it, but. Our first three conference, we go Rhode Island, Bonnie, VCU. Yeah. Like, we're going right into the the bees nest, bees, whatever you want to call it, like right off the jump. That's Great. why I'm a little more okay with these bullshit games this year. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. I feel and yeah, and like you said, you, you could just take the whole week off. It, that's the game you play is do you take the whole week off and we're, you know, that because then the worry is like, well, you haven't played in a week and yeah, these are just, I'm making you know, sports TV arguments here, but well, no, I don't even need you to drew. Here's the, here's the question I want. Yes or no. Okay. Does UD benefit more by taking a week off in Orlando and just playing 12 games on their non-con or do they benefit more by bringing Alabama state in for a Wednesday night tilt? What does the team benefit more from? 
uh, getting the walk-ons in at the end of these games and the crowd going nuts. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with that. It's sure. a fun night at the arena to run up to run up the score and play well, get the crowd excited before Northern Illinois comes in that Saturday. And then you hit the three games, the tough three game stretch of the non-con with SMU, Virginia Tech, and Ole Miss. Yeah, and and I'm I'm basically just getting to the point of I'm not being naive. Okay, we know why these games exist. UD gets an extra home game; they get the revenue. That's why the game exists. It also exists because Alabama State probably funds a large portion of its athletic program on these trips, where they get paid by schools like Dayton. Okay, I'm not stupid. I know that, but I am just saying. There are going to be other ways down the road that we can circumvent playing these types of games. And it just doesn't do anything for UD. And honestly, it kind of hurts them from a scheduling perspective because Alabama State is going to be so bad. They're going to be 300 plus. And having those teams on the schedule, it, it just does not help anything. It is simply a money grab. And, you know, that's. That's the business that we're in. Moving Let's not forward. make any rash judgments about Coach Mo Williams. All right, he <laughs> might have them. He might have them boys rowing in the right direction. Uh, he might. You're right. Um, <laughs> from there, uh, we're we're probably looking again at. Let's just say, for sake of discussion, UD's about seven and one at this point. I'd like for them to win two or three in Orlando. So let's say they're seven and one. Northern Illinois comes to town. Uh, UD is one and zero against uh, NIU all time. They played once in 2012. NIU is coming off a season when they were 3-16 and 16 in the Mid-American Conference. They finished Ken Palm 337 meeting. There was only a handful of con- teams in the entire country that were worse than them. They will likely be a shit show, and this will again be another game. UD can win easily, improving to, let's say, 8-1. and one. Hey, so one more that- benefit. One more benefit is that I bought a Andy Verjao wig off eBay halfway through last season to be my new Chris to be my like when Christian Wilson gets in, I'm putting that wig on. Yeah. And then he didn't play a, a minute the rest of the year. So another good thing about these games, I could put my Christian Wilson, Andy Verjao wig on and go nuts by myself in my living room. <laughs> More um, class guys. Right. So then Drew Drew got to it. Um the hardest part and and where we will really find out kind of if the team's going to be serious or not, I think they could skate out of Orlando without us not really knowing a lot. Let's say, you know, you beat Miami, you lose to Kansas, and then you, you beat a team probably on the same level as them in that game three. We're still going to be asking a lot of questions about how serious the state and team is. So I don't really talk a lot of shit to other schools and teams, not counting those hillbillies down South. We won't talk about them. Yeah. I say terrible things about Kansas and two Kansas people. Uh, I Why just would love, a win to finally back it up for once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kansas sucks. Yeah. Well, they're just, they're the blue blood, <laughs> you know, that's what we do. We're, we're anti blue blood here on this podcast. Um, the, the big game in the non-con and this is circle the calendars type of game, which is why it still pisses me off that we had to play it on a Wednesday night, uh, is Dayton at SMU from Moody Coliseum in Dallas, Texas. SMU is without a doubt the best team on Dayton's non-con schedule that we know about here on this day. Um, Dayton is one in three against SMU all time. They had a home and home again in 2006 and 2007. Uh, they, of course, lost last year to SMU on a buzzer beater. SMU finished the season 11 and six, and they narrowly missed the tournament. Uh, I believe they were one of the first four out or they were very close to making the tournament last year. They will bring back almost their entire lineup uh, except for one starter, I believe. 
Uh, they're bringing about four out of five starters and the best player on their team, Kendrick Davis, who was the only person in the country last year who led his respective league in points and assists. So make no mistake about it. Dayton is going to SMU to play their toughest game of the non-con. And I think we're going to find out a lot about that team that night, gentlemen. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be a, a tough environment to play in, a tough team to play, very well coached. Uh, like you said, almost made the tournament last season. That w- will be a big-time measuring stick game uh, for Dayton. You know, you're right at, you're at, right at the beginning of December where you really start to figure out who your rotation is, who your go-to guys are, and what kind of metal you have, especially going on the road to a good team in SMU. That'll really, really tell us a lot. I agree. And SMU, again, being right on the fringe of the bubble, they were 56 in Ken Palm last year. Um, what kept them out of the tournament, funny enough, was losing a home game to Cincinnati in January. Cincinnati ended up being not great. And then they lost to Cincinnati again in the AAC tournament first round. That was the nail in their coffin. Probably could have figured out how to get onto the right side of the bubble had they won both of those games. All right. From there, we have three games left to go on the non-con slate here on Talking Out Loud. And thanks for joining us because you really care about the non-con slate if you're joining us for this cast. But uh, Virginia Tech is the first uh, and only big home game on the non-con slate, which is kind of what pisses me off the most about this schedule is that we spent so much time talking about these terrible teams. You know, there's Southern, Northern Illinois, Alabama State, Austin P, Lipscomb, UMass Lowell, and UIC. Seven games at home that are just plain useless. And again, guys, we talked about the functionality of why these games need to exist, but there absolutely does not need to be seven of these cupcake games out of our 13. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And when you add in the fact that Old Miss and Virginia Tech don't even really look like tournament teams right now on this day, the Flyers don't have a lot of room to slip up on this non-con schedule. And I think that is my biggest beef with this entire slate is that if they are to slip up in one or two games, you don't really have a lot of room for any more air heading into the A-10 season, which then Dayton has to rely on the A-10 being stronger, right? And having more teams that are going to be fighting for a tournament spot in the last couple of years historically have told us that is dubious to believe at best. All right. A couple of fun. And, facts. and, the, wor- and in the words of Jordan Sparks, you know, tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, this is why I have you on just for the, the Mad Lips. All right. Um yeah, Virginia Tech will come to the arena December 12th. That's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I believe game time isn't set yet, but it's probably going to be like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Um, Dayton and Virginia Tech have played 14 times. Mentioned at the top of the show, Dayton 6-8 and eight against VT, dating back to 1960. They were an old A-10 member. And I'm going to be honest, guys. Like I, I just don't think Virginia Tech's going to be that good this year. I mean, they were a 15-7 and team last year, 9-4 and in the ACC. They lost in the first round of the ACC tournament, and they snuck into the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed. Okay? Um, they're going to bring back the, most of that team, but looking at this schedule, it doesn't really inspire confidence. You know? So... Here's where we got to, guys. And KT, you can take you can take this one if you'd like. Is it we're looking at hopefully playing Kansas and Orlando, and then we're kind of banking on SMU and Virginia Tech to be good. And if those two things don't happen, this non-con slate is worthless. 
Well, I do like one thing I like about Vatech. Excuse me, you get yelled at by them. Virginia Tech. Vatech. Uh, it's an ESPN game. We'll take one of those. Yep. Uh, and I know we're gonna get into Ole Miss and Southern next. Uh, Ole Miss might not be a horrible team this year either. Yeah, they're not gonna be horrible. They're not gonna they be. Can't. They're not gonna be someone we're gonna hang our hat on. But but that's my point. Is it like our our whole? Yes, I'm proving your point. I'm proving your point. There, yeah, yes. the, exactly. Is like. I, I think that uh, last week when I talked to Jeff Nadeau, he was kind of outlining the fact that like these are coin flip type of teams to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And Dayton has basically put themselves in a position with this schedule where we're putting a lot of our eggs into these teams baskets and hoping that they're good. But if they're not, we don't have anything. And if everybody I mean, you guys remember, remember the, the non-conference slate in 2019 a lot of it was based on the fact that St. Mary's was supposed to be good. And then we went out to Phoenix, we beat St. Mary's and they ended up being like very average and didn't make the tournament and it didn't help us at all. Wasn't that one of like St. Mary's is like worst seasons in the last decade. I mean, they weren't great. The we beat them. Yeah. It's, but you see the, the point there is like, this is, I mean, the margin for error on this non-con slate is razor thin. And I think that's where the administration screwed up this year. I think they should have given Dayton more opportunities to play big games. You know, maybe teams didn't want to schedule Dayton, maybe. But I have a hard time believing we couldn't get at least one or two games better than the seven that I rattled off a couple of minutes ago. That's my beef, Drew. Yeah, for sure. And scheduling is a, is a very complicated business. And it is. Obviously... You know, we can we can sit here and say, well, we should have done this, this and this when in reality, it's not that easy. It's not. But I don't want to you know, I'm not carrying the water for the administration here because you are right. There are some we are banking a lot on Virginia Tech and Ole Miss. I think SMU is going to be be good. I do expect the them to bet. be a tournament team. Yeah, yes. they're the safest. If you, if you win at SMU, you would put a lot of goodwill into your run to the NCAA tournament. Well, you allow yourself to have a bed shitter down the road. And that's my Correct. point is that the whole purpose of the non-con slate is to give you enough goodwill so that when you drop that crappy game at George Mason or wherever the hell we're going to drop a stinker. All right. I can look down the schedule right now and I'll tell you. Dayton's Please not Fordham. Please Dayton, not Fordham. Not Fordham. Dayton's got to do that go again. Two St. Joe's and they have to go to LaSalle this year. There is not a Dayton fan listening to this right now that, that believes in their heart of hearts that we're going to win both of those games against St. Joe's and LaSalle. You can't tell no, that, me that damn that damn pool underneath <laughs> the basketball court of LaSalle is got something in it because those fumes go up and we lose all the time there. <laughs> all right. Last two games in the non-con slate. KTU looked into them. It's at Old Miss Saturday uh, night, 630 game at Old Miss and then uh, home to finish out the non-con slate against the Southern Jaguars. KT, what'd you learn about those games? Yeah, so Sully and Drew, if you remember correctly, the Ole Miss Rebels finished last season, last year, with a first-round exit in the NIT. They were a one seed, losing to Louisiana Tech. Currently, we are 6-0 and against them all-time, defeating them the last time we played them last December by three points, 65-62. Last season, the Rebels struggled to create much of an offense, particularly from the perimeter, which also means if they're coming into UD Arena, um, wait, we're at Ole Miss. Or- yeah, we're at, Miss we're at Ole Miss this year. We're at Ole Miss, but whenever I see someone having a bad, they say they're bad at perimeter, they're going to come into UD Arena and have a career night. But anyway. Although they very much didn't last year. They, no, I they remember not, that game. They could have built a brick building. But what I'm saying is Dayton Arena always, always gives way for another player on the other team to have a career night. Never yeah, fails. Don't have to worry about that this year. They ranked eighth in the SEC in field goal percentage and free throws per game. And near the bottom – 
of that conference and just about everything else. Assist to turnover ratio, shots per game, assist per game, and three-point shooting. Head coach Kermit Davis is looking to, quote, speed up the offense this year, saying at their media day that they shot horribly last year and had way too many turnovers, citing their wins coming from defensive rebounding and, quote, unquote, things. Ole Miss has five transfer players and seven freshmen coming in this year. Most notably Duke transfer Jamin Brakefield, who's a sniper and also stands at six feet, nine inches tall and nice. Coach Davis also said his team this season is much faster in transition as a whole, with several guys having the ability to create off the dribble, allowing them to spread the floor a lot more than they ever have in his time there. Really Thoughts good on the Ole Miss Rebels, gents? I'm not really afraid so, of them, but really from what – from what I took from what I took from that is that they have quite a bit of roster turnover from last season. They do. Which makes which makes their projections this season probably a little more volatile. You don't really again, kind of like us, you don't really know how well these these pieces are going to fit together. So could they fit together in this new philosophy of speeding up the offense? Could it do them well and could they get into the top half of the SEC? Or will this roster turnover turnover not work out? Things go wrong and they find themselves near the basement of the SEC. I think both those things are on the table for Ole Miss this year. So it's interesting to hear how much roster turnover that they have going into the season. Yeah, yeah, and that's the story with Ole Miss this year for Flyer fans. You know, simplify, give you the summary here is that they have seven new guys, transfers and freshmen on the roster. It's going to be completely new, and their two best players left to go play professional basketball. So. You know, they're going to have a completely new team. And and again, banking on them to make the NCAA tournament is dubious at best. Like, it's just it's not a good position that Dayton's put themselves in with the non-con slate, which is why it's kind of like a B minus C plus. Um, if Dayton comes out of this non-con slate and they're 12 and one, OK, no big deal. If they're 11 and two, probably still no big deal. But guys, once we get at, past that, once you get to 10 and three, once you get to nine and four, we're going to be worried because at a nine and four or even a 10 and three, that means that you lost two out of three to SMU, Virginia Tech, Old Miss, or something didn't go right in Orlando. And Dayton just doesn't have a whole lot of leeway for those things to go wrong this year. So I'm certainly a little bit concerned um, just about how thin the line is this year. Um, but with that said, I mean, I I'm going to still put this team at 10 and three going into the end of December. Um, Last game against Southern, did you learn anything about the Southern Jaguars, KT? Southern Jags from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Look, there's not <laughs> one article that's ever been written about this basketball team. I don't <laughs> say that as an internet. insult. I don't say that as an insult. I was shocked. I mean, there was nothing about this <laughs> basketball team. I've never seen it. And I, I someone needs to someone here start writing articles for this team, please. But that being said, what I did find out. Uh, famous alumni include, speaking of which, Avery Johnson and former Cleveland Cavalier Bobby Phils. The okay. last time they appeared in the big dance was the first four in 2016 where they lost to Holy Cross. Coached by Sean Woods, who was a part of the Unforgettables squad at Kentucky from 88 to 92 under Rick Pitino. Oh, His yeah. claim to fame, if you'll remember, was scoring 21 points in the national championship game against Duke, including the floater over Christian Latner in overtime before losing that game with the famous Latner jumper at the buzzer. That is all I have about the Southern University Jags. It's more about their coach. Interesting. Somebody is going to get pissed in my mentions that you called him Christian Latner instead of Christian Leitner, but I'm not Leitner. Gonna, sorry. What? Yeah, I I'm don't not, I'm not going to split hairs here on this show. Leitner. Excuse me. Yeah. Um. Same thing. And then. But, you know, I hate to like sound like a broken record here on the, the last part of the hour here. But, you know, 
Southern's in the SWAC conference, worst conference in, in the country. Statistically, factually, I'm speaking, I'm not like, you know, opining on the SWAC conference. Every single year, they're one of or the worst conference in college basketball. And Dayton yeah. has two games against SWAC teams on their schedule. That is where it's inexcusable. You can't have two SWAC teams on your schedule. So, um, Southern, again, 8-11 and 11 last year. They finished 308 in Ken Palm. I mean, that's just unacceptable to have two of those games on the schedule. And I, I think if Dayton fans are going to complain about the home slate, it's absolutely warranted this year um, You know, to have people be excited to come back into the building. You know, ticket prices haven't gone up, but they haven't gone down. And then to give them this home slate with seven games against teams that are frankly just terrible. I mean... I just think that the administration, the athletic department can do right by the fans or do better by the fans. And and that's why, you know, I, I'm just a little bit disappointed in this this non-con slate. There's, it provides, there's, no, there's no it, swag in the swag. Yeah, I was just going to say it provides UD with ample opportunities, but not very like not enough. Like it's just maybe just enough without being too many. I don't know. A, it, I have a question. Good. Dayton is one of the the rare, beautiful fan bases, arenas in the country that it could be the Dayton Flyers versus the three of us, and they'd sell the place out. Exactly. It does not ever, and I don't know, we may have talked about this in the past. That's the problem. This is nothing nothing on Neil, or this has been going on forever. Yeah. Is that why there's not enough pressure to bring in more money, primetime, non-con home games? Because they know it doesn't matter. They're going to sell out and make a boatload of money anyway. What I will say to that point is that it isn't the only problem, but it is certainly part of the problem because there is really no pressure and there's no onus on Dayton to go out and challenge themselves and go on the road or get a home and home series because if they don't get the exact home and home that they want, they can call just about anybody and sell the place out. The only way I could ever see this changing is if Dayton brought in Southern and Alabama State and like 5,000 people showed up. But the problem is people aren't going to do that. And I'm not going to sit here on this radio show and go, stop going to those games. Oh, no, and no, yeah, no, you know no, what I mean? No, like, no, I'm not going to yeah. do that. But I'm just outlining the point. And, and Drew, maybe you usually you know, have a, a perspective on this that's, that's certainly worthwhile. Is it? I just think that's part of the problem because there is never going to be pressure on UD to take these games off the schedule because they're still going to sell 12,000 tickets. For Wait, it. before, before Drew real quick, one more thing I want to say on that before he gives his, his piece Yeah, is there's really very few teams, if any in the country who want to come play at UD arena. Of course. Right. Cause it's just not a fun place to play as an opposing team. That's no secret. Um, so I, but at the same time, I'm not saying we need to expect Kansas and Michigan state, but like we can do a little better. Exactly. Than seeing Southern and these teams every single year. Exactly. Drew, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it, it is kind of disappointing because you they do the university knows that no matter who they bring into the arena, people are going to show up, people are going to buy beers, and people are going to watch the game. Yep. I'm going to be chief among them. I'm going to be <laughs> in the building when they, when we play. Yeah, you Southern. are. I'm, I'm going to be this. there. Exactly right. Like I'm not a buy hundred beers. I've yeah. gotten 500 plus days without stepping foot into UD Arena, and you think I'm going to miss a game there this season? No, you're not. I Hell went. No. I saw UD play Coppin State. Okay, I've, I've seen exactly. It and one more. And so yeah, like it's it's tough. You'd like to see it be better, but at the end of the day, the university they've been doing it for they've been doing this now for how many years in a row with without changing it. So I'm not really expecting them to go down another road. One more thing, just to circle back to the SWAC real quick. Oh yeah, uh, I was doing some digging here. 
They've never been. They've never had a team ranked in the AP poll ever. <laughs> no, no. They no have swag and the swag, baby. They have had forty teams make the NCAA tournament. How many of these teams have not been a sixteen seed? Forty. Uh, how many teams made the tournament again? Forty teams have made the tournament from the how swag. Many have no, not. Never, never more than one. Best okay. case how is thirty nine. How okay. many times have they not been a sixteen seed? Uh, I'll go twice. Three times. Okay. The other three times, they were 15 seeds. Okay. I, I mean, I've seen plenty of them. When they had the play-in game oh, at UD I'm Arena, sorry. it was always a SWAC team, you know? And that's the other thing is now they have seven wins in the NCAA tournament, but that's because the SWAC, those seven wins have all come from either play-in games or the first four games. Yep. Yep. I'm yeah. sorry, Drew. I thought you were saying how many got to the Sweet 16. That's why I was saying worst, like best no. case, maybe 39 <laughs> of them. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. No, zero. Yeah. God, it's just so frustrating. All right, guys, um, wrapping up on the full hour here with Sully, Drew, and KT on Talking Out Loud. And we do appreciate you being with us, talking about some non-con, complaining about some things. But, gentlemen, it is that time, as it always is, for final thoughts. KT, I'll let you go first. What are your final thoughts? And actually, with your final thoughts, you need to sprinkle in a prediction for the 13-game non-con slate. We are in desperate need of dating basketball back right now. We are. I know. We spent Amen. An hour we talking are about it. Yeah. Very, very, very much so in need of some college basketball. Uh, obviously, the NFL and college football has helped, but basketball is going to be the cherry on top. Yep. Final thoughts. I cannot wait to see this roster. These freshmen, the the highest ranked class we've ever had, top with 26th, 27th in the country. It's going to be a lot of fun and very intriguing to see how Coach Grant puts this all together, puts this puzzle together on the court. Obviously, whatever we come out with as our starting lineup in game one is going to be the most fluid starting lineup we've maybe ever seen, at least in recent years, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, prediction, uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going 13 games, 11-2. and two. Come at me. Two. All right. Drew, final thoughts for the listeners. Close it up. Uh, uh, first off, uh, I think I'm going to speak for everybody here on the podcast that we touched on it a little bit earlier, but John Gruden disavowed, officially disavowed. Yeah. Just wanted to get out in front of that. Let everyone know yep. we, we officially, as a podcast, disavow John Gruden. There, uh, my non-con prediction, uh, KT says 11-2. and two. I'm going to go 12-1. and one. Yeah. Woo! I'm going to say 12-1. and one. We go 2-1 and one in, my, uh, in Orlando. We beat SMU on the road, Virginia Tech, and Ole Miss Woo! Woo! to go 12-1, and one, going full steam into the Atlantic 10. We want I'm Kansas. Kool-Aid, baby. We want Kansas. You guys can't see. You guys can't see Drew right now, but he's actually shirtless with blue body paint on he's, while podcasting. Yeah, he, he's just like he's waving his hands up in the air. You know, it's the preseason when these takes start to surface. Like, yeah, UD is going to put mm. it all together. They're not going to lose after Orlando. They're only going to lose to Kansas. We're going to steamroll into the A10 at twelve and one. That's when you know the preseason is upon us. Um, I'm going to keep it a little bit more pragmatic, and I'm going to go ten and three. Because I did say that uh, my prediction for the season was twenty four and seven, so that puts me at ten and three for the non con and fourteen and four in the A ten, which I believe will probably be good enough for second or third in the A ten, and that's exactly where I believe Dayton will end up when all is said and done. One last thing, I do reserve the right to change my prediction. You can do that, but right now on this day of our it's Lord, and one that is written in pencil. This day of our Lord, October thirteenth, and at twelve and one, we need to knock out wood here and pray to the high heavens. We don't have like VCU's injury bug. 
Yeah, well, how that's many, how many ACLs have they torn in the last month? Yeah, like, they're mean, out like half their team now, right? They got an Achilles. Ace Baldwin's one of their really good players. He tore his Achilles, and yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I mean, every time you put out a prediction, you're not taking injuries into account. They happen. You don't plan for them. It is what it is. Um, to wrap up the show tonight, I am going to play a song from one of my favorite bands. They're here in Chicago this weekend, which is why it gave me the idea to do this. But, uh, the song is called keep moving by jungle. You've probably heard it on like a Peloton commercial or something like that. Um, I was on jungle like at least four or five years ago. So I'm at Lala and they have, um, turned into like an actual mainstream band and they're, they're putting out hits. So had to do a little bit of promotion so that someone doesn't get mad at me for copyright infringement or something like that. Uh, jungle's awesome. Go listen to him. The song's called keep moving by them once again. Um, I don't even have any final thoughts for you. You're going to be back next week on ESPN radio. We will have a fresh lineup of guests. Uh, Dukes from barstool sports is going to be joining me next Dukes. week to get uh, the barstool perspective on the upcoming college basketball season. And then we will keep coming at you with a new episode every Thursday until the flyers take the court on Tuesday, November 9th against UIC in their quest to go four and before going to Orlando. I hope you enjoyed the non-con episode tonight. I'm your host, Sully. On behalf of Drew and KT, I remind you once again that there are two rules. What are they? Drew, give me the first one. Wear red. And KT, what's the second one? Be loud. That's it. Catch you next week. <laughs>